Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you know what that means. You are listening to uh, the Mystery of Parenthood, and we would ask that you uh, slow down if you got the moment and uh, take a listen. We um, will begin as we always do begin uh, with our prayer of St. John Paul II for families. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity, for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, so uh, it's me and Thaddeus here. Thaddeus, how are you doing? Hey, Trey, good to be with you. Good. Hey, I, there's, um, I've had two things happen, I guess, in probably the last week, uh, maybe a little over a week, two events occurred, and came in contact with with people that in addition to, I think, things that have kind of been come coming across my uh I don't know, <laughs> my conscience as in prayer or in reading. Okay. Coupled with meeting a, a guy who, it's amazing, I didn't had never met, but he's a canon lawyer, and he went to the same program I went to. He was a few years old, but he's friends with, I mean, he's friends with guys that I would call professors of mine. And um, it was at the Together in Holiness conference that we, Stephanie and I spoke at, uh, I guess a week and a half ago or whatever. But And then the Drinking with the Saints one came, and all this has kind of kind of collided in this in this sense. Drink of, with the Saints being our benefit yeah the dinner. benefit dinner yeah the, the benefit station, dinner right? so for, uh, Dr. Michael Foley yep yep drinking with the Saints and and the conversation that I ended up having with this this guy after the together and holiness was a holiness conference was over dinner and we were kind of all talking and all of these things kind of brought me back to. Uh, how important it is for us as Christians to understand fully what God reveals about humanity in in um, in and through the incarnation of His Son. He could have done lots of different things <laughs> to save us, but He chose to come in and through the family. He chose to come as a person who was a manual laborer who was not wealthy, who, um, who lived by all accounts prior to his three years of public ministry <laughs> and his passion, death and resurrection prior to that was, was a pretty ordinary life. And what that means for us in the family and in marriage and just in life. And I think Oftentimes, and in this day and age, um, we forget that that really being human is part of God's plan, <laughs> and that ultimately, when we when we profess, confess, when we um, when we say when we say I believe in God the Father, I believe in the resurrection of the body is one of the things that we we say we believe that that 
we believe that the body is something sacred. I mean, everything about it is something that is special. It's not a something that we need to shed ourselves of. I mean, I might need to shed a few pounds, but you know. Hey, come on. Let's hear pos- we want positive we're self-talk positive. today. Positive but, self-talk but, but today. To shed this humanity, we're ultimately going to be reunited with it. And so it's not all bad. It's not it's not completely and utterly something that just gets in the way of our relationship with with Christ and with God the Father and with the Son. In fact, it, it, he gave us a church that takes seriously our bodies. I mean, just go to a mass. I mean, we I mean the pe- poor people that come that don't that never been to a mass, you know, that's the Catholic cal- calisthenics. I mean, we're mm-hmm. standing, we're kneeling, we're genuflecting, we're crossing ourselves, we're bowing. Bowing, we're doing all these different things. Those are not just things that we do. It's it's actually to help us understand and connect. It takes the church takes our bodily existence as human beings as something of value, something that communicates to us what's going on. So if we genuflect, we genuflect towards where Jesus Christ, body, blood, and soul, and divinity in the tabernacle is is there. So genuflect is to say he's my Lord. I mean, he's somebody that I owe everything to. Um to bow um, is a sign of reverence as well. Um, to cross ourselves is a reminder. Again, this kind of points to the fact that what can happen is you can get into you can get into the ritual separate from the connection with why the ritual exists and lose sight of it. I think all of life is that way. If you don't make the connection between why am I doing something? what is the purpose of it and that it has some eternal significance. Now it should have some eternal significance. There's a consciousness. There's a, you know, I think on our website, we talk about, you know, being fully consciously and actively living out our parenthood, our marriage, which is, a, is stealing from what, what the church says, we should be doing in the sacraments, particularly in the mass, that we should be fully, actively, and consciously involved in the mass. That's why, you know, I, the, the old term, you know, uh, you know, I assisted at the mass. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't hear that as much, but that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. We're supposed to know what's going on in the mass and that we're not just there watching. We're not just there to receive we're actually there bodily to give ourselves back to the one who is giving himself to us. And everything that the church gives us, to hear a priest say, I absolve you of your sins, is set up because we're human, because we have ears to hear. How many times did Jesus say, if you have ears to hear, you mean, he, he's like, yeah, if you're human, listen to what I'm saying. So, if God takes humanity so seriously that he talks to us that way, he's left the church that way, but even more importantly, he sent his only begotten son as a human, 100% human, like us in every way except for sin, that's communicating something to us about what it means to be human. Well, getting back to these guys in these talks you know, we always, you know, often I think that being human, you know, me being the way and, you know, being kind of a um, Carmelite by <laughs> by default or whatever. I mean, I, I'm drawn to Therese of Lisieux and John of the Cross and okay. you know, all those that, that you always think of being human as, as a suffering. But both these people that I've met, one, this canon lawyer made the comment, well, so... Think about what glorified being a glorified human will be like. What's the first? You know, it, I mentioned this to Thaddeus earlier, and he made this comment over dinner. Over y'all dinner, were, he was like, "Because we were having food in front of us, and how good it was, and enjoyable, a glass of wine, and and you know, and just how f- great it was to be around people 
talking about serious things, but kidding too and laughing. And he just said, you know, I always think about what's the first words out of Jesus's mouth after resurrection when he sees the apostles is, Hey, do you have anything to eat? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and then he, or he cooks food or, or whatever. I mean, he's, He's not like, hey, y'all forget all this human human stuff, you know, that you've been fishing all day. You know, bring the fish over here. I'll cook it for you. I mean, there is this, even in the glorified resurrection of Christ, he is still showing us that our, humani- our humanity, our hunger, our enjoyment of something. And this guy made the comment. He said, I am certain there's a heavenly Bernays sauce, <laughs> but, uh, but, but whether that's true or not, the, the, I think the sentiment, what he's trying to get at is we need to take seriously our humanity, even on when we go to heaven or at least when the second coming happens in the, and the final judgment, when he separates the sheep, which is coming up, right? I mean, that should be the reading probably <laughs> this next Sunday typically is the sheep from the goats even that think about what he's what is what is jesus separating them based on when i was hungry you gave me food you gave me food you gave me drink you gave me drink what is he i mean everything about that points us to that he is trying to tell us that our humanity is something that is sacred fallen so what you're telling me is that when i'm making cocktails then i'm you know, I'm really living out Matthew 25 because well, so, I'm giving my, my fellow man well, certainly. Well, to I mean, drink, certainly right? I mean, at a, a minimum. <laughs> uh, well, I think, I do think, and that points us to, I guess, leads us to the to Dr. Foley's. Right, right. About drinking with the saints and everything that he said made me think that, you know, to be, um, to be Christian is not to be puritanical, not to be like, I have to shove everything down. I do have to control it. I have to put it in the context and see things properly. So like drinking with the saints, I can't remember all of them, but it changed everything about how I saw. I mean, there were, there were things that he was saying that I'm like, oh yeah, of course that's true. But sometimes somebody's got to say it and mm-hmm. put it in a nice package for you to go. Yeah, he's, he's dead on. Right. You know, the, about what do we do? You know, we have, we just had a wedding, you know, a year and a half ago, roughly. And, you know, to pick the the wines and stuff, because we're all going to be not to get drunk, but it's a, it's a celebration. Jesus himself picks wine. He could have picked any, anything. He could have picked milk, I guess. I mean, he could have picked whatever, but he chose wine to be the sign of his blood, of his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Those are things that are point us to the fact that if God takes our humanity that seriously, then we should do a better job of taking our humanity that seriously. Right. And as we raise our kids, we should, I think it happens, but I think again, it's the same as people that go through the ritual of crossing themselves real quick and they go in. I mean, I'm not judging. You could cross yourself real and have the heart with it, but we're meant to be this united whole. What we do with our body is supposed to coincide with what is going on in our heart. I mean, it's supposed, whatever we're doing with it should be kind of an outward sign of what's happening in our heart. And I think what happens is I know with me, and I think probably most, maybe you, that you can get in the habit of doing something, crossing yourself, even saying your prayers and not really you're just saying the words or you're just doing the action, but you're not really connecting with what that action was meant. It doesn't diminish the meaning or how important that action is. The action itself is important, but if you don't bring with it what it's tied to, what it represents, why am I doing it and be conscious fully conscious of this is why I'm doing this or this is why I'm not doing something. It's similar to the traditional teaching about penitence with confession that, you know, you can have 
you can make a good a good confession and have attrition, which is fear of the pains of hell, and that's right. why you're coming to confession, and that's why you're sorry for what you did wrong, and that's right. that's good. But that's kind of first level. Right. It's good, but there's more that we can there's, go there's beyond. Best. And best is contrition, which is where you're sorry because you you don't you have because you love Christ because you right. are in love with him and you want to you desire to do the the good because of your your love for him and his love for you. Absolutely. And that and that's again it's the same with with anything we do. I think that no matter what it is if we can kind of bring to bear this reality that Christ worked. I mean, he cut wood. He hammered, I guess. Can, I don't know. And can I say, can yeah. I say one more thing? And I think like so many Catholic both ands, I actually think there's a both and to hang on to there. I no think question. there's a tendency to sort of say, well, you, you know, it's contr in this example, contrition, that's the best. So that's the only thing that really matters. And if you're, if you're doing things out of attrition, well, you're just kind of going, th that's not what the church teaches. No, absolutely you got to hang on to both of those. Both of those can get you to heaven. Both of those can perfect your relationship, your love right. for God. Hang on to both. Of well, those. that's what, so that's why some, you you do things. So there's not, it's not always bad to do something out of habit. <laughs> Right. I mean, right. if you're doing the right thing out of habit, if right. it becomes a habit to, I'm going to say my prayers, right. that can't be a bad thing. Right. However, if you're just saying them without putting yourself in the presence of God, without saying, Lord, I know you can see me, hear me, you know me and help me to pray the way I ought, which is a short prayer you could say before any time you sit down to pray that reminds you, I mean, you're not reminding God. I mean, he's, he's there and he appreciates, it's like the same, it's, it's a different thing. You can go through the ritual of doing something and it have some benefit, right? But it's not the full benefit, right? Because you're missing the whole package, right? The whole package is, is that we are body, blood, soul. I mean, that we, that, that, we are matter and spirit right. and we're meant to be this integrated whole, which is why to be consciously aware of well, why am I standing when I'm in mass? Why am I kneeling now? Why am I genuflecting? You know, one of my favorite things is to watch how many people will come in and genuflect when I'm, I mean, I taught my kids very young. I think this is a good parenting why are, who are we genuflecting towards? What does genuflection mean? You, well, you have to teach that. That was something you did before an emperor, before somebody who had total power over you as a sign of humility and respect. And I'm at your service. Well, you know, again, the ritual, it happens all the time. I did it the other day, just not thinking. I genuflected, and then when I sat down, I was like, Oh, wait a second. Jesus is back over here <laughs> in the corner. You know, I should be genuflecting to him, not to the. So the idea is not necessarily bad, but we do need to make the connection of what am I doing and why am I doing it? That's being fully human. That's at least attempting to be fully human, to bring the outward. What am I doing in line with the inward movement? Like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And what I, what I think we, we all miss, but it's really just, a, I think it's pray for the consciousness to be able to do it. But then I think you actually actively have to practice doing it. You know, like I think I've said it before, even just to, you know, I had a watch which drove people crazy. It would go off every, it would ding every hour, you know, and I made myself, okay, when that dings, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to stop. I mean... Hopefully I'm not driving or flying an airplane or, <laughs> or or holding a kid or something. But but I'm when it dings, I'm going to stop for just a second and just look to heaven. I'm just going to say, God, thank you for where I am right now. Uh, please help me and go back to whatever I'm doing. Sometimes you have to, because we're human, we need 
reminders. We need things that get our attention back. But we can get so busy, no matter what it is, and so caught up in what's going on in our minds that we don't fully participate, not just in Mass or not just in, in the sacraments, but, but in life. I mean, I, have you ever gone through, I mean, I have, you go through a day of just doing like, and then you get to the end and like, what the heck, <laughs> where did it go? I mean, I, you know, I just did what I always do, you know, and that's why it's so important. I think for us Catholics to take our humanity and what I'm about to do today, even if it's the most menial of tasks, even if it's, we pulled out, or at least I helped pull out carpets from, from our from two rooms because we're my, my mother-in-law is going to come live with us. We're very excited about that. And it's going to be a great oh, blessing, wow. but we're taking carpet out because it's not good for somebody who's in a walker. So we're going to put on, we're going to put some more like laminate or whatever. I don't even know in there. Right. Well, it's the same thing. You're sitting there and, and you, you're about to do this task. I'm not a manual labor type of person, but I thought about okay, this is a bla- this is something for my mother-in-law. This, you know, I don't always do that. There's plenty of times when Steph's asking me to do stuff, and I gripe and moan, and why do I have to do that? Can't one Whoa, of the kids do it? You know, I mean, but but there was a joyful sense. Why not? Not because anything special about me, but when you can make the connection, it's out of love for somebody. It's in preparation for somebody who's coming. That even in a m- menial task. It is something of value. It's even better if we can offer it and think to offer that together with Christ at the the holy sacrifice of the mass, where we're often God, God, the Father, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and us with him, all of our actions and stuff with him. But it all starts with kind of an awareness that there's something greater going on here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not watching a football game that I want to watch, and I'm doing this, and that's a sacrifice. But it's kind of like the the attrition versus contrition. It can be, woe is me! Look how great I am! I'm you know the, make yourself the martyr. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it, but really there's a there's a higher level of yeah, it's a sacrifice, but it's for something better than what I would be doing with my body at that time. Right, and and I think that that is so critical to teach ourselves but to teach our children that that what we do with our bodies that god took being human so seriously that he became one of us and he went to work every day he he took care of his mother after his step i mean his foster father died he did all that and that communicates to us that no matter what our little thing is, no matter how we're serving somebody else, if we connect with that, if we can in our mind consciously say, I'm offering this out of love together with what Christ did, the perfect act of love on the cross that is offered in every mass, that it elevates that act. It still would have been a good act. Even if I had moaned and groaned, I guess it would have been at least doing something for somebody else. But that's not the height of what we're called to as Christians. No. And I don't know. I just, that's something that's been on my heart a lot. And I don't know why it is, but it was brought really kind of between the heavenly Bernays comment and, (laughs) and that you can drink like a saint (laughs) that there is something to this. God takes humanity seriously and the stuff that he's the stuff that we experience and the, and more importantly, the people that we experience are things that he puts in our path for us to catch a glimpse of and to participate in Christ's humanity in a, in a way that points people to the joy that can be realized not to the fullest extent, uh, as you would in heaven, but to some extent here, you know, I mean, again, yeah. I, I just think, it's, I just think it is so central to what it means to be Christian. Right. And you, 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 then you uh, elaborated that and then you went to another, another level in our 
conversation before the program, which I think is is really interesting too, um, about living an integrated Christian life. You know, then that has implications for how we live out in in a society, in a, pl- a pluralistic society, or out in in a wider society. And you had some some interesting thoughts about about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I think exercise. Well, I think like, like you know, I think when Saint Paul, when he when he says in Romans twelve two, you know, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. <laughs> and and this is, I think, points to kind of what we're talking about here. The next verse, 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. There's something that has to go on in your mind that kind of, I don't know what the right word, clicks over or says there is a different way of looking at this stuff that I'm doing every day. And part of that is exactly the sense that we're meant to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And part of that is renewing our minds. So I think maybe what we're talking about here is that we need to take seriously two things. One, what we do in our bodies matters. Matter matters. And so the ritual, the crossing of yourself, the kneeling, the standing, the shaking. Well, you don't even shake hands anymore. But it was really awkward the other night. I'll, we'll talk about that later. But, but, okay. but, all, those, but all, those things, um, all those things have to be connected, I think, through the renewal of your mind where you begin to ask God and then have glimpses of the fact that what I'm doing has meaning in the context of something that is unseen, something that we don't see. It's more going on than just what I'm doing in that moment. To cross myself is to remind myself, how am I saved? What family was I joined to in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And that it was gained for me by the cross of Christ and his passion, death, and resurrection. And it reminds us of the baptism that brought us into that family. I mean, that's a simple prayer. The early saints say it's a powerful prayer. If we pray it, I think a lot of people just, I mean, everybody, if they're honest, can get in the habit of just doing it. And it wouldn't necessarily mean that it's bad, but it's not everything it could be. If when I'm saying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I'm expressing thanks for my baptism. Thanks for what Jesus did on the cross. That's a, what, five second prayer, 10 second prayer. Yeah. I mean, it's also bringing back to mind the Trinitarian nature of God and and the fact that we're saying in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, not the names of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. It's what's a perfect prayer. So that's another thing that we need to remember about. So it's often, it's good to do, um, what's it called? You know, spontaneous prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's also good to memorize the prayers that the church gives us, particularly those that have been given to us directly by Jesus himself, the Our Father, um, and the church, the name of the Father. Because, because if you chew on those words, if you look at those words, there's teaching going on there. You know, so for the year, there wasn't catechism early on. The, the, the liturgy was the teaching tool of the church, which, by the way, and I'm, I'm thinking about doing this when my kids come home. I think they'll put, just go through the mass. If we listen to what is being said, we can get so used to just being there. And then if we listen to what is being said and prayed by the priest— then we have a greater understanding of what it means to be a Christian worshiper of God, which it really boils down to Christ is the victim and the priest. I mean, he's, he's the one who gains us access to God, the father and to the Holy spirit and that we are offering him and us together with him to the father because he is the acceptable sacrifice 
Fortunately, he allows us to become part of that. He invites us to become part of it, which again is part of the renewal of your mind, the offering of your own bodies and understanding that we as the body of Christ is not merely symbolic. We are together with the head who is Christ himself, his body. And so to be aware that we're his body, then all the things that we do, particularly, I mean, all of the things that we do, our entire lives, everything that we have and are is meant to be offered to God the Father as Christ offered everything that he did up and through and his passion, death, and resurrection to the Father. And we're just joining in with that because he invited us to do that, which is exactly what I think Paul is getting at here. Offer your bodies as a spiritual worship. That almost sounds like an oxymoron, right? I mean, it doesn't sound, sound, I mean, in the current context, we would offer your souls, offer your whatever. Right, right, right. Present your bodies. And there's this real sense of how important it is for us to recognize that our humanity is fallen, but it has not become a snow-covered dung heap because we're in the family. We're, we're you know, to use, I think that's Luther, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, the, 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 there is good there, albeit fallen, and that God's grace is meant to elevate us. So I'll, I'm, I'm an aside on this. God's grace is what elevates our nature. He doesn't squash our nature. He helps our help our humanity become more of what it was intended to be by grace. So where do we objectively get grace? Well, we can get it lots of different places, but the place that he, that the church left us was through the sacraments. So through the mass, through marriage, through holy orders, through baptism, through confirmation, all these different things, these visible outward signs. Now, now tell the story of how your yeah, no. traditional, you know, definition and your pedagogy of the definition yeah. of the sacra- of a sacrament actually came to the rescue. Yeah, you know, it's for funny. Your son. It was it, this literally was a conversation about two hours ago with, with my son because he said, Dad, you're never going to believe this. And to be honest, I've taught my kids, and if you've listened to the show for any stretch of period of time or ever heard me talk, it almost is, there's never a time it goes by without the definition of a sacrament. The, the reason for that was that I, when I went and get my master's in theology, I realized I knew there were seven sacraments and I probably could name all seven, but if somebody asked me what a sacrament was, I didn't know how to do it. So I, I didn't know what, what, how to explain it. And so I took one of the formal definitions and I was like, wow, if you understand this, it, it begins to make sense. Outward sign, visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. Well, my kids have been, that's been hammered into their heads all these years. So, so I'm talking to Kennedy and he's, he was at a gathering last night, I think. And, and there was a, a friend of his who's Protestant and, and a Catholic girl and him were talking. Good news is they were talking about marriage. <laughs> they were Great talking, then they were talking about, and the question comes up, which I'm not sure when I was in college, would have, I'm not sure it would ever have come up. So I'm, I'm grateful those conversations are happening. The question came up, Catholic girl asking the Protestant guy in the presence of my son, do you think that marriage is a sacrament? And he said, heck no, I don't know. I don't think it's a sacrament. And, and she said, well, why don't you believe it? He goes, well, why don't you tell me what a sacrament is? And she said, like I said, I, they're, well, you know what? I, there's seven of them, but I, and then Kennedy jumped in and said, well, it's a visible sign or an outward sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. And the Protestant guy, and so looks he at, wrote in uh, basically as a knight in shining armor to yeah, save this girl. But, but I mean, how, I mean, in my life, did I think a freshman in college at a gathering That's that awesome. would come up, but, but what was interesting was the, was the response of the Protestant. 
the Protestants said, well, if that's what you say a sacrament is, then maybe marriage is a sacrament. Oh, wow. And again, there's the connection that we, we've got to be able to articulate. I mean, it's one thing to say the words, but he was listening. He listened to the definition. And he said, well, okay, I, I can get on board with that, that if that's the definition. Well, if he'd asked me when I was Kennedy's age, I would have done the same thing as that girl and probably most other Catholics. <laughs> Well, there's seven of them, and I just know marriage is one of them, you know, mm -hmm. but I couldn't have told them that. But see, as Catholics, understanding, number one, a sacrament, the, the mere fact that it's a visible and outward and it's instituted by Christ communicates to us in and of itself that God takes our humanity seriously. It's not, it, it, he gave us things that he makes sacred and unites himself or actually becomes, uses as signs of his invisible presence in order that we in our humanity can experience it. So his body, blood, soul, and divinity is made present in what a piece of bread and, and wine. Those are things that we have very ordinary that he chose because there are things as humans we can come with. It, he could have picked all kinds of things, right? Those are generally readily available things. I mean, they're, they're not extraordinary. They're pretty ordinary. And he decides to make his presence to us in and through those. In, in and through holy orders, he makes himself present to us in the priest, an ordinary guy, maybe even a fallen, I mean, well, for certainly a, a, a sinner, I mean, various levels. I mean, he's human, but he makes himself present through that. He makes his, he makes his teaching in and through the church, which comes down through, from the apostles, through the bishops and the Pope. So he takes seriously our humanity. He takes seriously that and we have to be able to help people make that connection, which I think is what Kennedy did by being at least bold enough to say, well, here's the definition. And, and an honest to goodness Christian who loves Jesus says, well, if that's what the, what the definition of sacrament is, I can get on board with that, which I think is pretty cool. Very cool. But but I think that that's a, it just points us to. Good job, Dad. Well, I mean, good job, Kennedy. I mean, um, I, it is always my whole life. It's It has been, if we as Catholics can get that under <laughs> mm -hmm. and then study what those signs are, what they represent in, as taught by the church mm -hmm. what they're meant to convey then then we can dive more fully into and renew our mind in a way that going to mass is not just this ritual we do on sunday and kind of sidebar but good job girl saying at kind of yeah. attrition contrition right. thing, at least saying hey i know there's seven of them and maybe you know if she could have just if she could have if Kennedy wasn't there, you'd hope that the next thing she says is, I know that. there's a, I know there's an answer to what right. that is. Let me, and I believe, I believe what the church teaches about the sacraments. Let me get back to you on that. I'm going to go look and study up on that and get back to you. Right. And you hope that that's the way, but, but there's the, 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 the mere fact that the conversation came up is something beautiful about that. Right. Right. That there was even a discussion going on exactly. about marriage as a sacrament. Right. So God's grace is working there and we just need to, to do it. But I, but I think we're all called um, to recognize more completely our humanity. So I think another connection that we were talking about is one of the, one of these things that bothers me about the whole idea of what people look at, what religious freedom is and tends to look like, okay, they're going to stop me from going to mass, which would be awful. <laughs> but but I, I think it goes well beyond that. If we were to present yeah, our yeah. living, our bodies as a living sacrifice, that means 
all the other stuff that we do, the work that we do every day, the food that we cook, the children that we clean or take to practice, all those things are meant to be our presence there, helping with homework. Those are all meant to be offerings when united with Christ's offering acceptable to the Lord, something beautiful to say no to certain things is a, is a form of worship to say yes to certain things is a form of worship. Mm -hmm. As long as our minds are renewed enough to where we can recognize the connection between this menial task that we're doing, pulling up carpet and the love that we're called to the sacrifice for others, and then recognizing and putting in the context and then offering it together with Christ's sacrifice kind of brings it all together. That's an integrated whole. And can I jump in there? Yeah. And I think sort of the, the drinking with the saints side of it is also um, when we're doing something super enjoyable or eminently pleasurable, or we're, we're doing, we're, you know, kind of being where we want to be doing it with gratitude, doing it absolutely with merriment, doing it in remembrance. Some of those qualities he talked about of drinking with, with the saints, um, giving that back to God, you know, being right. thankful for, for this opportunity. That's important too. No, absolutely. And, and I, there's a, that's there's a, a form a of worship to go, too. Absolutely. And that, and that's, I don't have it cause I didn't know this would come up, but there's a, there's a great line or paragraph in Vatican two documents that talks about, I, I, I believe it's on the laity, but I, I'll, I can find it because it's been highlighted plenty of times, but I'll go back and find it. But one of the things it says, it says, he's talking about all the, you know, all your works, your sufferings, your trials, tribulations, and it, and it, it uh, patiently born. And then it says, and even your leisure, mm, mm-hmm. even, even leisure can be offered acceptably to God. Right. Which is this encapsulation of, it's not, you know, we're, we're body, blood, and soul. We are a matter, spirit, integrated whole meant to be an integrated whole that's the way we as christians should look at what it means to be christian so what we do with our bodies matters what we do with the matter that god's given us matters right it's it's something that points you know you know he says you're a light set on a hill right i mean what is that it's it's something that Humans can see that through us point to something beyond because we have a way of looking at life that's different than the person who doesn't believe in God or doesn't have or or doesn't have an understanding of there's more going on here than what meets the eye. And we we have to transformers do, right transform <laughs> was that i didn't even know more, there, more than meets the eye it was a slightly uh, rare okay well i mean but but it but it is something that is meant to transform the way we look at things and by doing that i mean i'm always amazed at unfortunately people that i know that not you know they're like man, I'm, you know, I was talking to somebody and they're like, you had six kids and I have two and I can't, I mean, we're almost miserable. <laughs> and I'm just, how, I mean, there's a way of looking at it. I'm like, it was the greatest thing ever. Was it easy? No. Was it worth every second? Yes. Would I, would I want to not do any of that? No. Because number one, the fact that particularly me, uh, Steffi, I'm not surprised, but it was a revelation to me that God's grace is capable of taking this dude and and allowing him at least to help <laughs> raise these kids. You know, I mean, it, it you know, and not screw them up <laughs> too bad. Um, that's God's grace. It's kind of a a revelation of God's grace, a, a a touchstone, so to speak, that I can go back and go, man, if He was able to help us and me get through you know, these struggles, then he's trustworthy. He's powerful. He's, he's, he loves us. And even if we go through difficult times, he's always going to be there to give us the grace we need to become more than we think we're capable of becoming. Um, and I think that's, 
that's the good news. I mean, the good news is that he does love us. And when you're waking up in the middle of the night to take care of a sick child or to change a diaper, there he is. And if you have the eyes of faith to see it and and ask him to show it to you, then you as a parent can recognize, hey, I'm I'm the father or the mother of this child, a, a gift from God that I am giving myself back to and in some way revealing to that child something of the love of God so that one day they'll know. I mean, St. Paul, St. John Paul II, you know, goes to great lengths in saying that, that people need to experience what love is on this side of the veil in order to fall in love with God. They need, they need to have some experience of it. And the, and the less that they experience of what true love is, of self-gift, of self-denial, of sacrifice for the sake of the other, for the good of the other, um, that it's hard for them to come to an understanding of who God is. And we as parents have that obligation and that calling, and we're for sure can trust that God's going to give us the grace to be able to communicate that to our kids in and through our actions and when appropriate through our words. And so I guess the, the whole point of this is, is that, that what we do day to day, going home and cooking, pulling up a carpet, uh, changing a diaper, doing our work wherever we are, um, helping somebody with their bags at the grocery store. I mean, whatever we're doing, that all is something that is potentially an act of worship. If we'll, if we'll see it as such, if we'll renew our minds to recognize that all these little things that we do, no matter how mundane are meant to be opportunities to offer worship to God. And then bring them to mass with you and offer yourself fully and entirely in all that we, you have and all that you have done together with Jesus. And God will accept it because it's united. We are in Christ at that moment. Beautiful. I mean, I just think that we need to really <laughs> grapple with that. I mean, not this is something that we as Christians need to say you know what, this is a struggle, I'm in my body, I need to do something or not do something, and I can offer that to God as a, as a sacrifice, as a form of spiritual worship, because it is something I'm doing with my body. Does that make yeah. sense? Or It's terrific. Well, I, I just, it's been something on my, because I mean, I've reading... I read Benedict and, you know, you can say that it's great to be a Christian because of all the good morals that we have, you know, we're going to lie, cheat, steal, all those type of things. But, you know, there's plenty of non-Christians that they could get to. It's probably better not to lie, cheat or steal, because if I do that, then that means I really, if I'm honest, can't expect that from somebody else. That somebody else would not lie to me, not cheat me, not steal. That I mean, that's right. that's a logical. I'm not sure they teach logic very much anymore, <laughs> but that's a logical. You can get there just as a human matter. Right. That I don't. Right. I shouldn't do that because I don't want that done to me. Right. Hey, in the in the last few minutes we have, you obviously have accomplished this with your your children because we had the example of Kennedy, but um, just to some additional tips on how to bring this kind of thinking into parenting uh, to make it a part of our, our parenting. Well, I think, you know, I think, I think, I think you need to make it clear. There's a few points. Number one, the invisible exists. Yeah. Okay. That that's really important. So every chance that you can, Mass is a great opportunity to, to do that, but just praying at home and reminding them. You know, I was I used to always say, well, there's eight of us here, so I know there's at least eight angels here. 
too. So there's at least 16 of us. <laughs> you can't see them, but you have to, you have to remind again. That's a renewal of your of your mind. So the 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 reality of the invisible side of this has to be taught, and that can be taught through prayers. It can be taught through reminders to your prayers to your guardian angel because he is with you. <laughs> Always those type of things. So the invisible side. The Examples other... of real things in the material world that are invisible, like the wind. We can't see right. the wind, but we can see its effects. Right. Is that, is that a... I mean, those are those. I think those are all things that you you know you don't like have a you know a unit on it. I mean, right. It's, it's kind of as it happens. It's got to be ingrained. Right. And part of kind of the fabric of your home. The other side is your the body that your body communicates. So even in correcting a child, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, we used to always say that you have, you know, when, when they would, I'm sorry, and everything about them shows they're not sorry, to talk to them about the fact that your body language, I mean, even we do it in, with sports, you talk to my son, baseball, your body language says something different than what you really want to communicate. So that they're aware of the fact that their body is somehow united with that. I mean, that should be something normally. How do you do it? We used to do um, self-control. So when we would self-control, you know, we'd, we'd tell them to put their hands together and squeeze when they were, we could tell they're about to blow. You know, sometimes, you know, when they're young. We just, just taught them. And you could see their knuckles turning blue. But it was to keep them. It was all focused on their hands. I think all that communicates this idea that the body, we're a body, spirit, union. And they, I think those two things are really important and can yeah. be brought in, in and through parenting. So I know that's really good. They were close. Um, God bless you guys. Um, remember, pray, parent with a purpose, just like we talked about today, and prepare for God to amaze you. And I promise you, you will. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye.